1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh. Welcome to the OFD podcast. I have your host, Joshua Voles, site manager at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And... I'm flying a little solo tonight. I don't. I don't have uh, Jude. He was otherwise occupied, I believe, at a county fair. Uh, it is. It is either trapped in a Ferris wheel or dealing with a crying kid because they don't have a stuffed animal. So, but I do have a special guest tonight: Tyler James of the South Bend Tribune, Notre Dame Insider. Tyler, how you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing well. Glad to be here. I do, I do not have any screaming children or anything to offer, or any condolences to offer to Jude. I'm upset with him for not being here.
1: Yeah, well, he, he he wanted to be here, and he said, man, I'm going to try to make it. Um, so maybe at one point he'll be knocking on the on the internet door saying, let me in. So maybe we can sneak him in. All right, um, not a lot. but you're you're still young anyways, man. You're, you're not even – what did you just turn, 25 the other day?
2: <laughs> no, no, I turned 30. Hit the big oh, 30. that's right. Hit that's a big right 30.
1: Yeah. You haven't quite got to – this is like a podcast tradition. I am 40 years old. Uh, so, uh, so, <laughs> and June, June just steps into the podcast as soon as I say I am 40 years old. Jude, <laughs> how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Can you hear me okay? I just made up all sorts of excuses for you not being here.
0: Uh, I lost track of the time I was reading Tyler James articles in the ND Insider uh, magazine. So Look at you kissing up to the guest. That's uh, my excuse. <laughs> we're, not,
1: we're not even a minute and a half in. Let's not tell him that I ripped him just a minute ago, alright? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, he, he, he refuses to listen to the podcast because he doesn't like the sound of his own voice, so he won't know anything about it. <laughs> 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 so we are on here tonight to talk some Notre Dame football. Um, and uh, Tyler just... Got done with his first year on the full-on football beat. Uh, he was the recruiting guy, the Indy Insider, for, for a long time. And uh, our friend Carter Carls, uh, who has the worst food takes in America, took over <laughs> for him. Uh, and Tyler took uh, Mike Rell's spot. So, Tyler, let me, just add, let me just ask you real quick, how did last year go for you? I mean, the, the year you got hired, uh, the first year you got hired was in 2012, right? Undefeated season? That's correct, it's yeah. Like, so when are you taking over for Hansen <laughs> <Another> under-
2: <laughs> <season>. <laughs> I, I can't take over for Eric Hansen, but yeah it's, it's, it's kind of funny that the, the years that my roles have changed that the the seasons have gone really well for Notre Dame so uh, maybe we can find a way for me to do something a little bit different this year to, to help out Notre Dame's causes for you guys.
1: Now what I've the first year I started writing about Notre Dame football was in 2007. All right. And the first year that I took over at one foot down was 2016. <laughs> so I don't have a very good track record. I'm going to have to just stay put and just, yeah. <laughs> and just keep doing this.
2: <laughs> yeah. You um, got the opposite thing going for you.
1: So how, how was it last year doing that full time? What was there something, was there anything that you, uh, was, was there a whole lot of any bit of surprise for you or, or was, I mean, you've been doing it. You've been covering Notre Dame one way or the other for, for a while anyways, but, uh, was there anything that kind of jumped out at you like whoa.
2: The amount of travel last year certainly jumped out at me. That was an <laughs> in- interesting year to uh y'all to, wrote about it. <laughs> to, to 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 join to join the the beat with having to go to California twice in New York and and being in Chicago. It was it was certainly fun, um but it, by the end of the year it's like okay, I need I need a little bit of a break here and then certainly we we packed up and headed down to Dallas for the the Cotton Bowl. But it, it was a fun time uh certainly Um, surprising how it went in, in, in a number of ways, probably most, uh, at least from my viewpoint with Ian book, um, most importantly, but, um, it it was fun just kind of taking on a different role, different, different challenges of, uh, of writing more about football on a daily basis and and trying to find some different stories to, um, to cover, which I, I really enjoyed. I got to do some, some silly stuff talking about, uh, doing a story about the game that they played in the locker room, which they called knockout and, uh, talking to Khaled Kareem about his, uh, the crazy eye black that he wears and just kind of, kind of small stuff like that, which I think we kind of um, we all notice and maybe, maybe run across, but to get uh, a little bit more information and kind of understand the motivations and the stuff those guys do off the field is kind of fun too.
1: Well, that's the stuff I enjoy. You, you <laughs> I'm also, a spectacle kind of guy. <laughs> you also wrote the definitive BK homeboy story. Like, <laughs> let's not sell that short. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's not sell that short. That, that's uh, that's a key one right there.
2: Yeah, I got got the boots on the ground and started talking to talking to the sources of the ND Twitterati and uh, the the meme the meme lords and, and make sure uh, <laughs> no, the, the, the meme their, lord th- their voices were heard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm glad you brought up boots because that whole hashtag BK homeboy that was dope and all. But I just think people forget about Sunbull Brian Kelly. <laughs> you, know, you you weren't on the beat yet, but I mean. And I I am literally staring at screenshots on my computer right now as we speak of some because I, I use them all the time. Brian Kelly in a sombrero, arms <laughs> up and I mean dude is fantastic, and his cowboy boots in his hotel room. I mean, <laughs> I we're I think we're all missing out on a on a key piece of Notre Dame history. And uh we might have to we have to go might have to do a definitive Brian Kelly fashion uh <laughs> Article, yeah. You need,
2: all that. you need an anniversary. You got to wait like ten years to do a ten-year oral history of it. The athletic yeah, writing,
1: might, might be all over that, that. Yeah, the athletic would be up. <laughs> Pete'll beat me to it. <laughs> 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 we, yeah, we, the inside joke right now is uh, that we've had like three three stories in the works in the background and. Samson has beat us to the punch on each one of those three. I was like, what the hell? It's like, all right,
2: he's got a mole somewhere.
1: Someone, someone's someone's spilling secrets. I know we're going to, we're going to have to find that out. So <laughs> heading into uh 2019. Now I just, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, what your, what are your overall thoughts about this team um, just personnel wise and, and heading into, you know, we're gonna be heading into fall camp here soon. Yeah, we got to see a lot of actual practice
2: this spring, so that was informative. But um, I think the biggest things that were takeaways is that there's not really clear answers at linebacker and at special teams. And I know it might seem like we're we're, we're nitpicking there by, by um, just focusing on some of the negatives and um, maybe not trusting that Notre Dame's going to be able to have a solution by the start of the season. But um, it, it, it was just kind of jarring to see all right they're they're still definitely working through this and and they have ways to go I think certainly we hear a lot in the spring about oh nothing is for certain we're not going to name starters at certain positions but you get a pretty good sense of how things are going to play out from from different things you can observe and then some of that usually gets confirmed pretty quickly in 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 preseason camp Um, but I I just think that there's there's going to be a lot to to watch and um, a lot for Clark Lee to figure out when it comes to linebackers, Brian Pulling to figure out when it comes to to kicking game with the punters and field and, and goal kickers. Um, so I'm fascinated to see how that plays out, but I think uh, Notre Dame should be in pretty good shape at most other places. I liked what I saw from the young receivers in the spring. Um, I'm pretty confident that Chase Claypool will be a very good number one receiver. Um, Chris Fink will, will certainly um, be a steady guy that, that I think can help out and uh, maybe do some more expand his game a little bit more maybe even play out outside of the slot at times I, i'm kind of curious to see that i don't Notre Dame certainly hasn't discussed that publicly but um i would i would especially from when i saw lawrence keys i'd love to see lawrence keys in the slot and maybe chris fink out wide every once in a while just to throw a different look at at defenses and uh, i think ian book is going to find a way to improve um though that uh has been difficult for notre Dame quarterbacks to do um after a first year as a starter so um i think that uh Offense should be in good shape. The offensive line, I think, will improve. Um, I, I like some of the uh, older guys continuing to develop there, um, although I don't think Tommy Kramer is a preseason All-American, despite um, <laughs> some some lazy research done by many national writers. Um, but I, I think that... He was
1: uh, a five-star, and he's a senior now, Tyler. Yeah, That's all you need yeah, to know. And he's played before, but... And, and he's, uh, <laughs> he's, played, he's played quite a few years now. That's I all like you need Tom, to
2: know. Uh, yeah, I like Tommy Kramer. He's just... I, I just take everything a little bit ser- less seriously if I if I see someone that has put that on record. So well, do you, um, certainly Tommy – maybe Tommy can improve and, and play that way, but certainly going into the season, I, I think it's silly to have him in that discussion. Go ahead.
1: Now, now, injury aside here, do you, do you think Kramer's kind of entering like Alex Barr's territory where, you know – Alex Barr was playing excellent football last year, up, you know, up until he got injured. I mean, he had really – in my eyes had stepped up to his game and had earned, he he had gotten a few preseason nods uh, that probably weren't quite, you know, he probably wasn't deserving of them as yet, but then he had proved it, you know, at the start of the season last year. Do you think Kramer's kind of projecting that way? I mean, we're kind of chuckling about the, the preseason all American kind of a stuff because, you know, we all, we, we pay closer attention to them, the national media. Right. But do you think, Do you think he could he's projecting towards like, you know, an Alex Barr season injury aside? It it could be. I I think I was probably more comfortable going into last season saying predicting
2: that for Alex Barr's than I would be right now for Tommy Kramer, though. I I did think he looked better in the spring. Um, I I think um, he just needs to continue to improve and and be better on his feet. I know that's something he worked on uh, being a better puller. Um, especially at the guard position is is, is imperative, um, so I just think he he's got to keep keep working to to get to that level. Not that he can't, but I, I just think that um, some of the it's just it's just kind of funny to me to see to see his name pop up there when um, I, I think he I don't I don't know that many people would say he's Notre Dame's best offensive lineman going into the season at this point. Um, so I, I'm curious to see how that plays out. I think uh, Aaron Banks, though he's dealing with a foot injury, um, has a very bright future. Uh, um, it would be interesting to see how he's doing when it comes to preseason camp and how much he is slowed by that foot injury. Um, and then I, I'm looking for, looking at Liam Meichenberg as a guy to have a, a, a big improvement this year. And I think Robert Hainsey coming into the season healthy, though he had, he had a, that camp injury that I think really hurt him at the beginning of the season um, that prevented him from maybe playing to his potential um, last year. So I think all those guys have have, have passed to improvement. Um, on the offensive line, and, and so uh, I think there's reason to be excited uh, for what this offense can do.
1: Now, one name that you didn't mention was was uh, Jarrett Patterson. And if you did, I must have blacked out. Um, but Jude and I have have had this discussion before about in my in my eyes, I, I, and it's kind of ridic- It's a ridiculous statement, and it, it really is. <laughs> I think Notre Dame actually improves a little bit because I think I thought Mustafa had dropped off quite a bit in 2018 from 2017, just in his play, but leadership wise and calling, you know, calling the different line audibles and all that who takes over there along the offensive line. Is that, does that really get put all on Patterson or is that going to, is that going to be something that Tommy Kramer or Hainsy or, or Eichenberg is, is able to to help do yeah. not just Go more ahead. like the line calls there?
2: Yeah, I think they'll, they'll probably share that. And I think, Having Jarrett go through spring practice essentially as the starting center, um, which which is kind of rare. That he, coming into to to the spring, he hadn't played center before. They they kind of let him know in uh, winter workouts that that would be something he would be doing. Oh, they so sold he, it. I mean, they're, was,
1: they're like, this is you know, this is how it's going to be. Right. I, I I didn't see that one coming at, at all. I mean, that kind of kind of came out the <laughs> out of the woodworks. So they're like, what? Like, all right.
2: Yeah, but I think he he was able to work with his offensive linemen and I think build some chemistry there, which sometimes that doesn't necessarily get to happen until late in preseason camp because you're, you're kind of working out who's going to be the starters. And I think they have a pretty set lineup, though. There's certainly guys that can rotate in um, on the offensive line. Uh, so I think that's beneficial. I, I think um, one thing I'd like to mention when Sam Mustfer, although I, I don't think he played great last season, but... He had to play with four different guards last year. He was playing with, next to different guys all the time, right. so um, that isn't the easiest thing. Whether he would be willing to admit that or not, I, I w- probably doubt it. He's not going to. He's not going to f- blame anyone else for anything. But right. um, when you lose Alex Barrs next to you, Tommy Kramer comes gets out of the lineup. You got Trevor <laughs> Rowland and Aaron Banks coming in. That's that's not an easy situation to handle for a center. So um, I, I do think Jarrett's probably a better athlete than, than Sam Mustafer is. Um, and so um, I, it'll be fascinating to see how he handles the, the leadership responsibilities and the, the knowledge of the offense everything that we've heard is positive in that in those regards. So um, I think uh, he will certainly be an important figure in, in making sure that offensive line does improve if it's going to. Tyler, I had a, a question. Uh, if I
0: recall correctly, you were an offensive lineman uh, in a former life. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. I played. Okay. That I played all across the offensive line. I played in high okay. school, and I played
0: one year at a
2: Division three school.
0: Perfect. So, uh, tell me hey, the difficulty in learning how to snap the ball and then get yourself in a position where the nose tackle isn't just grind you know, on you automatically as soon as you like get back up in your stance. Is this is it difficult to learn um, how to snap and then protect yourself?
2: yeah I, well you kind of have to piece it together first you gotta learn how to snap and then you gotta learn to to get ready for the guy to hit you so um i think probably in in uh the winter workouts is when he was able to work on the snaps um and, and get comfortable with that but then it's a whole different ball game when you're talking about live guys coming at you and, and not caring that you're, you're snapping the ball they're, they're trying to get through you regardless so um it, it is a bit, a bit difficult and i think um, it takes a lot of practice and getting used to, and it certainly takes some help from your fellow guards to to be in positions to help you if you're in a tough spot. Um, so I think that uh, he seemed to have handled that pretty well. We, we didn't really get to talk to him about what those challenges were like for him and how comfortable he feels there. But um, I think also having a guy like Trevor Ruland um, on the team who could kind of guide him through that and help teach him, though Trevor hasn't played a lot of center, um, in the starting lineup at Notre Dame, he was a backup um, behind Sam for for a while. So he, he kind of knows the ins and outs of the position and can help him along with that. So I think that um, he should be in a good spot. I, I think it's certainly different with and it makes it a little bit easier that most of the snaps are shotgun. He's not doing a lot of back and forth between under center and, and shotgun. So he can kind of get in a little bit of a rhythm there. And um, I think that um, he should be fine. I don't remember noticing many sh- snapping issues with him. Um, there are more issues with with some of the backups um, at, with with snapping at center um, in the spring that from from my memory. So I think um, he he seemed to be have uh, acquitted himself nicely to to the transition and and figured things out with, with playing center. Is it possible
0: that one of the byproducts of having a new center and breaking in a guy for the first time will be more false starts penalties? Would that be would that be fair that the the rhythm might might be thrown by one guy who's new to snapping?
2: It, it could be. I, I, it depends. I guess I'm not terribly familiar with the different cadences that Notre Dame runs and, and what they do on silent counts and stuff like that. So I, w- I wouldn't have total knowledge of how that would totally uh, affect that. It's something that's probably worth looking into in, during preseason camp and asking the guys about. Um, but I, I think that it's it's more on the, the tackles just to be aware of what, what's going on inside because usually the tackles are the guys that ended up – False starting the most because they're the most worried about the the super fast defensive ends getting by him so I think um, that that's that's uh where, where those issues will come but yeah I think I think that's a good question I think there is a chance that that could happen if um, if he doesn't snap it when they think he's when he think they think he's going to snap it even if it's a, a slight slight second uh, uh, difference I think that that could make a difference I could see that being a
0: tremendous problem in say Athens Georgia
1: uh,
2: yeah, we absolutely. sure sure
0: sure are you trying to tell
1: me something jude uh,
0: i'm just still telling you that i'm very concerned about that game i think i've been on record for several weeks about that
1: so. <laughs> i never uh, said i wasn't concerned
0: no no uh, i'm not trying to diminish your position i'm just but i have
1: a game answer. plan and i slipped brian kelly uh a memory stick so i i, I think i think we're good i think we're really good okay awesome. all right Ty- was, <laughs> tyler uh like like we said earlier, is, uh, is the football beat writer there at uh, South Bend Tribune. He works with Eric Hansen and Carter Carls and Tom Noy. and they had just he, he just got on vacation. Why? Because they just uh, put in a ton of work putting together this awesome 96-page Notre Dame season preview. Tyler, do it justice, man. Uh, talk about the preview. Uh, what I, I put up an article the other day, and I, I'm blown away by – you know, a lot of especially a lot of the features. I thought it was great that Eric uh, got uh, got Brian Kelly to talk about hashtag BK Homeboy. Um, <laughs> you know, and I mean, there's just there's just a lot of good stuff uh, in there. Just to, hey, let me let me do this. Talk about that preview,
0: <laughs> Tyler. Before you start, tell us where we can actually buy a copy. I mean, Josh and I both have copies. I'm, I'm an ND Insider subscriber, so I actually got one in the mail the other day. Uh, but tell people where they can get a copy before you tell them everything that's in, in 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 the copy they're about to get.
2: Yes, you can order a copy online at ndinsider.com backslash buy the mag, by B U Y T H E M A G. and uh, you can get on there and order one to be shipped to you. It's twelve ninety five, which includes shipping, um, and it uh, will show up to your to your address and uh, you'll have plenty of uh, reading ahead of you and you'll be a smarter football fan for it. But yeah, I think (laughs) we'll, we'll
1: include the link uh, link for the mag inside the, uh, the podcast notes and on the the post on the page too, as well. So we're making this super easy for you guys to get this, this great piece of literature.
2: Yeah. And as Jude mentioned, if you are an NDI ND Insider premium subscriber, um, that uh, gives you the rights to a free magazine. So we sent everyone that was pr- a previous subscriber um, a magazine out and it sounds like they've made it their, out that way. So Jude got his and um, we are uh, happy to offer that to, to people who subscribe to us uh, for our premium coverage. And then uh, doing the magazine is always fun. It's a, It's a bear to do. We start doing it pretty much as spring practice starts and start thinking about what we want to do and um, start working on some of the position pre- previews and analysis that we do with each each position group. And then once spring wraps up, we start start focusing on those those features like you mentioned. Um, this year, our cover stories on Julian Acquara. I was able to um, spend some time with him and, and talk to his mother and his his older brother, Romeo, and uh, Mike Elston for quite some time about various things. And he has certainly some high expectations for this season that I thought were interesting, um, and, and got a little bit more information. I, I hadn't I didn't feel like I knew a lot about his his childhood growing up um, and mo- coming from Nigeria over to uh, to Charlotte, where he, where he moved with his, with his mother um, and, and moving over to America. I thought that was kind of interesting to get to know a little bit. He actually went back to Nigeria for the first time um, since he he moved to America. This past summer was his first time going back. Um, so that was kind of cool to talk to him about that experience. Um, and then we have some other features. Uh, Eric does a, has a feature on Chase Claypool. Um, certainly expecting a big season um, for him. Um, he, Eric also did a story on five star safety Kyle Hamilton, the big big time recruit in the incoming freshman class, and and uh, what he um, is about and how he's kind of different than what, what you would expect from most five star recruits. Um, I have a story I did on Ian Book. I actually posted it today on Insider.com for our premium subscribers uh, on Ian Book and Tommy Reese and their relationship. I got to spend some time um, with them uh, in the film room for a little bit. Uh, they reviewed some blue and gold or blue gold game uh, footage for me. Um, so that was kind of cool to kind of get that. Um, Experience and and kind of see how they handle that and what they what they do on a on a daily basis throughout the season when they're reviewing film and stuff like that Um, and, and how they expect to improve this season. Um, we also have a story on Lance Taylor, Notre Dame's new running backs coach. We were able to do the first interview with him since he came to Notre Dame. Uh, it was a bit of a delay, but we were able to to get that in for the magazine. So that was kind of cool that uh, we were allowed to do that. Um, I also did a story on Mike Elston um, and how he's how he's uh, evolved the defensive line into being a strength of the. Of the program right now uh carter carl's big uh recruiting feature is on their names quarterback recruiting and sort of how that's changed and the emphasis on accuracy um that chip long and tommy reese are looking for um when they're out recruiting quarterbacks so um and then we have uh, the usual stables the freshman profiles the recruiting round table um the breakdowns of every position we have predictions for the upcoming season so Um, previews of every opponent. Uh, I actually did those this year for the first time. Ah, so you're the one who picked Michigan to be. Yeah, yes, uh, I'm. I'm the guilty party there. You are on. Uh, yeah, you're.
1: We are not friends.
2: (laughs) 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 I'm on your list.
1: You know what's funny is you you brought up uh, our new running backs coach, and I I was in a frantic panic and uh, DM'd uh, Michael Birch the other day because. Apparently Notre Dame's like changing their entire website, and I had no idea. Sure. <laughs> so I'm doing these coaches uh, profiles and all that, and I go to look them up, and it's I'm I'm 404. I'm like, oh, what happened now? You know, I'm like, <laughs> what? Can we not have? Can we just go through a nice stretch of nothing? So I so I DM Birch. I'm like, hey man, is there something we should know, or is there something going on? <laughs> He's, he's just like thank thank you so much for not for making this private no, <laughs> like no, it's just a, it's a system thing. I'm like oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that would have been bad. Starting rumors. Okay, there's a four hundred four here. What's going on? I'm <laughs> like Michael Burke, explain yourself. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you about those 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 small recruiting profiles. And you know we we cover and follow recruiting. Uh, well, Jude really doesn't because he has to take a shower afterwards. But (laughs) you know, one of my favorite things is the, is the, I I don't know, maybe because I'm a dumb guy, but I like the dumb little stuff, you know, like which Nike Adidas under armor, how many times you watch Rudy. And that's, I am shocked how many guys each year come in that have not seen Rudy. (laughs) Like, is that not somehow like, didn't that peak an interest at some point during the recruiting process for the two or three years. Like, maybe I should watch this. Like there's, there's, I think there's like three of them uh, on this cycle that that have it. And like someone like Andrew Christophic, I mean, he's a PA guy. I just, right. How have you not watched it? Yeah. And it seems
2: is Rudy on Netflix. What you guys would probably know better than I do. It seems like it's probably pretty ready available. I don't know. It's not, but I, it
1: is on uh, regular cable all the time.
2: Right. So, yeah, I I think uh, it's, it's kind of funny. And, some guys, when we ask them that, they're like, yeah, I guess I probably should watch that. And we do those interviews usually um, around signing day because we do a, we do a different version of the, the profiles around signing day. But we do them all, all at once, um, so either in December or February. And so they may have actually seen it by the time they get to campus, but, but when we interviewed them, they hadn't seen it. So it's kind of funny. Uh, and you can – some guys they they don't even think twice about it. Some guys are like you could tell they're afraid to miss it. <laughs> to say like, uh, yeah, I've seen parts of it. It's like, no, you haven't. You haven't seen any of it. You can admit it. <laughs> I
1: got a writer on staff that uh through a family member kn- knew the knows the real life uh, D Bob. And so she had she wanted to get a hold, you know, get a hold and do a story. And so she, she messaged me and says, Hey, I, I just got off the phone with D Bob. He's actually at Rudy's house right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. And she said, So, you know, should I do an interview with both of them? Because he mentioned, you know, maybe doing something like that. I said, Yeah, you know, go ahead, do whatever you want. I, I, I don't care. <laughs> <You know? laughs> she got <laughs> back with me just a couple minutes later. She goes, And uh, D Bob said, uh, Rudy doesn't do blogs. Is that what <laughs> that is? <laughs> oh, like, okay, wow. man. like i wasn't asking for this (laughs) it's
0: too funny my favorite my favorite response was kj wallace celebrity crush he said old school jada pinkett smith and then added old school do not put new or now, or people will think I'm weird. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, how old school is he talking? Though, is the thing.
0: I'm probably closer to his age than uh, Jada Pinkett Smith must be now. <laughs> so.
1: Well, he's, I guess he's got a point. Tyler, I have mean, we, have we, those j though. I mean, how are you going to tell? I mean, <laughs> the guy's 40 years old.
0: Uh, Tyler, have we finally gotten to the point where somebody's mentioned a band or a celebrity crush that you've like literally never heard of?
2: Yeah, that's, that's how I know I'm getting older, is when, I, <laughs> when they start naming uh, either bands. I, I I listen to rap and hip-hop music, so I, I have a decent understanding of most of the, the big-time current artists, but there's usually a guy, a guy or two here or there that they'll mention. I was like, I've never heard of that. And some of them usually have kind of funny names. And uh, and the, it's, it's also been interesting, um, uh, some of the celebrity crushes now are kind of like almost Instagram models and that kind of thing, because that's more of like a... That's a thing now. Guys, kids yeah, growing up, thing. kids yeah, growing a- up are following these these women on on Instagram, and the, the, so they develop crushes for these people on Instagram who people <laughs> who aren't on Instagram have no idea who they are. But uh, going to say, have,
0: who is who is Summer Ray? Who is <laughs> Rachel Demita? Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, I think those are I think those are Instagram
0: Instagram yeah, I, people. Who, who's Chantel Jeffries? I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel very
1: old when I read this. I mean, and then you got someone like Quinn Carroll, whose favorite musician is Johnny Cash.
2: <laughs> yeah you know, yeah it's kind of funny I, I, I have to always google them because i never i'm not, never for sure how to spell their name always. I always want to make sure that <laughs> the name right so that's that's how i figured out oh that's where that person's from or oh that's what that person's from so it's kind of funny that's
0: <laughs> great I, I i really enjoy that i think it gets their, their personalities and the first one i remember and i think you did it was a video of uh ian book and you asked him as a hot dog as a sandwich and he said yes think about it and I was like, there's nothing to think about, son. And I brought it up with Carter, and he was like, yeah, no, I think everything's a sandwich. And then he, then he, he proceeded to give us, like, basically the worst sandwich takes of all time on this podcast. So. No, was
1: that, not just sandwich takes. I asked him taco versus burrito, which I, we'll get to there, uh, Jay, or Tyler. But <laughs> that, and he went on a, a thing about soft tacos being open-faced burritos. Like, I can't think of a worse hot take food hot take than that. The disrespect
0: that Carter Carles has towards food is just a mad side. Yeah, it's, he
2: thinks he thinks a Pop Tart is a sandwich too.
0: Yes, no, so. I see that. I just can't stand for that. That's that's chaos.
1: <laughs> I mean, I get his logic. It, I mean, it's a it's a it's a, it's a simple logic. But come
0: on. I, it just reminds me of that scene in uh, Batman where uh, Michael Caine says some men just want to watch the world burn. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's, that's part of Carl's takes on sandwiches. That's right.
2: I, I do have to give credit. The The video with Ian Book was a Mike Varel production. He, he, he did a video. I think that was when Ian was an incoming freshman and he did it like right when he was coming to campus. He did the video with him in person because we used to do – Something oh, that called was Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. Something we called two-minute drills. With the we would do little video versions of. They're kind of similar to the freshman profiles, but we were doing with whoever we were doing the position feature on. Um, and so Mike did an Ian Book one, and, and so he, he he asked him about the hot dog thing. But I did go back. I, somehow I was doing a video on our on our editing system in the office, and I came across that video. And when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, I gotta I gotta cut this down and turn this into a clip for everyone to see because it was pretty funny."
0: Yeah, because I think you shared it on on Twitter, right? And then right, it said yeah. and, it,
2: and you had a superimposed "Think about it" like on the bottom or something. <laughs> yeah, I I made, yeah, I think I made it into a gift too. Yeah, yeah. Like, did these perfect. guys
1: got too much time in their locker room? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we're going to take a quick break here, and uh, we're going to come back, and we're we're going to probably talk some more outrageous food takes, and uh, and some more about Notre Dame's key games in the upcoming season with Tyler James for South Tribune. So, stick around. we we'll be right back.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: Okay, now that we've uh, we've established that Carter has no business coming back on this podcast to talk food, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, we're we're going to get into a few things here. All right, Tyler, I ask everybody this question because I, I wrote an article about the, the Sean Kaiser Malik Zaire battle a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I sat at my desk for about I don't even an hour trying to think of like the best way to like describe. that competition that year going to 2016 without, you know, without just like the basics, everyone was talking about that, you know, that summer. And the best way I described it was taco versus burrito. And since then, really since then I've, I've I've had to ask everybody what their take is on taco versus burrito. So give me your definitive OFD official stance on where you're at.
2: Oh man, that's a really tough one. I I think uh, it's tough to 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 just pick one there, but I will probably side with a burrito. Yes, um, I think. Uh, I and actually, you just made Josh so happy. Well, we, I, can't well, even, I can't even. Explain. It wins
1: the poll every time, but every time, but but like people are burrito people, team burrito hashtag team burrito are afraid to come forward. I think because they're <laughs> they got all these team taco people.
2: No, so so here's here's my theory. Tacos are easy to make. Anyone can make a taco. So everyone makes tacos. I don't think people make burritos at home as much as people make tacos at home. So that's why they side with tacos. I think I think you're right. I think I think burritos just sound like too not, much effort. Not
1: in this house. Not in this house. Bro. I mean,
2: I, got, I I I I couldn't roll a burrito. I don't I, I'm not a I'm not a trained burrito roller. So I I, you know what, I, I have to I have to go I have to go get uh, burritos made for me. And I had an excellent burrito out in San Diego. That was that was amazing. That was life-changing.
1: What I don't know the name what to the place? Gonna feed- I don't know what they're gonna feed us down in Louisville, but when we get back to Notre Dame Stadium, I'm gonna bring up some tortillas up to the press box and I'm gonna show you how to wrap a, a proper burrito. Nobody skills. I that's serious. I will put those in my briefcase and I will I'll come up I will I'll I'll show the whole press box. Who wants to learn how to roll a burrito? Because my take on, on why burritos are superior to tacos is that you can make anything a burrito I was telling Jude, yeah. I can you can a use the hot burrito. dogs that they I can make a peanut, peanut butter a jelly peanut butter, uh, hot dog burrito, burrito man it, it is such a superior way to eat food I mean Chilitos it I you know I'll eat a Chilito every day during the winter time rather than a bowl of chili you can carry that you, you're, you're basically you're carrying your bowl around it's fantastic
0: <laughs> so <laughs> uh, to, uh Josh likes to ask taco versus burrito I like to ask who will be Notre Dame's third reading, leading rusher this year?
2: Third leading rusher this year. Yeah,
0: because I think everyone says Jafar Armstrong for first, and then maybe you want to say Tony Jones Jr. or Ian Book for second, but who's third?
2: Yeah, I would probably say Book for third. Um, with I, I would say probably Jones is second, although I think I, I, I do like what Jameer Smith can bring to the offense. Yeah, I'm just uh, not sure how the uh how many opportunities there'll be, but I, I think Book will just be able, obviously, have a lot more opportunities to run and and maybe not be, um, maybe be in a better position to 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 utilize his legs this coming season. So, I would probably, I think that's probably the safer bet um, to be put book at number three. Um, but I, I do think there's a, a really good chance that Jameer Smith is that guy.
0: So you had listed Kyron Williams as your freshman surprise. So where does he fall in kind of this in in your mind? Where does he fall? Where, where does he end 2019?
2: Yeah, I think he can find a role as as kind of a a Swiss Army knife guy. I think he can do some stuff out of the slot for them, and and maybe do some jet sweep situations. I think they like Lawrence Keys to maybe do some of that too. But I think he could he could find a role there. And I think it was it was just honestly it was really hard to pick a freshman surprise because a lot of the guys that you think will play this year, it's pretty obvious. And then after that, it's kind of a it's a a lot of guys that have a lot of people ahead of them. So it, I just like Kyron as a as a player, and I like his upside. Um, I'm not positive that it will actually see it this year, but I think, um, there's a chance that he could, if he gets that opportunity,
1: that he would be successful at it. I have yeah. a legit question that you could, you could probably shed some light on, uh, cause I don't recall seeing it in the spring game. And I, and I thinking about it a couple times this week, I, I never went back and or I didn't go back to go to pay attention, but last year, Notre Dame used Brock, Wright In an H back role. Right. I'll just say fullback. It was and, fullback. It was a fullback. Yeah, I, yeah, thank God. So, you know, as in that, in a fullback role, does Tommy tremble move to that, that role now, or, or is Brock going to stick there? And, and I mean, you know what I'm saying? Right. In, yeah. No, I no, like a rotation I, or, or is I, that something that Brock has learned and that that's just going to be an expanded part of the offense? I mean, not expanded in the ways like it's a huge part, but, but now that, you know, now that he's been practicing it more and more and more, they can use it a little bit more.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't remember us seeing a lot of goal line offense in the yeah, spring. I, and so I, I'd be curious to see. I think they're more comfortable with Brock on the line of scrimmage now as an actual tight end. Um, so I, I I would think that they'd want to keep him there. But, so the um, chances
1: of moving trembled to that role with. You prob- probably I, think it would be increased, right?
2: Yeah, I think it would be, but I, I'm not sure how good of a blocker Tommy will be from that position because they 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 got to be able to run the ball from that. He's from got guys. If
1: that guy can't block, then
2: <laughs> I'm a dead person. Yeah, I just it's just not easy. I think I talked to Brock about that this this past spring of how hard that was as such a big guy to be able to. I mean, fullbacks aren't aren't big guys. They're they're short, squatty dudes that can get under people. And so when you're a big tight end, it's not that's not an easy task to be coming from that position and and. Blocking guys as you're as you're moving and those guys running at you full speed, so um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I wonder if we see le- maybe the less of that formation. Uh, I do think there may be some h back opportunities for Tommy Trenville out of like a shotgun formation, um, and maybe him u- utilizing him that way. Um, I'm am l- less certain that the, he would maybe fill that fullback role. I don't I don't know what they would do there if they would keep Brock back there or uh, maybe
1: George Tackus can do it. I'm not I'm not really sure what what they would do. See, my personal opinion is that we should we we need a a fullback every year, like go recruit one and have one for four years, just some psycho that that's your one job, man. Like you want a scholarship, come be our lunatic fullback, but if they're not going to do that, you know, I guess that my com—I'd be more comfortable with a guy back there with more of a running back number. It's silly, yeah. And stupid. It's silly and stupid. And it doesn't make sense. So since Tr- Brock Tremble wears number twenty-four, Brock Wright was number nine or number eight <laughs> rather than eighty-nine. I, I would have a, a my chest would stick out a little farther with a sense of pride. So <laughs> Tremble does look
2: kind of funny wearing the number twenty-four at tight end. So maybe he'd look more natural at the fullback position. I, I, I think he's, it would be.
1: cut like a, I mean he. That, that kid is a physical specimen.
2: I'd be interested to see if maybe they try Tony Jones and Jameer Smith. Why not put a running back there? that's not afraid to block someone? If those guys can catch Will out of the backfield, I think they could do similar things to what Brock Wright would do. I think Brock well, Wright of, is a very good blocker, so that is the, that's the biggest challenge of that.
1: Well, one of my favorite things from last year um, happened in the worst uniforms imaginable. <laughs> you know, in New York, is they were running out of a two-back set And they literally ran a like a thirty-one fullback trap with you know with Jafar Armstrong. I I watched that video on loop like at least once a week. It's one of the prettiest plays that Notre Dame ran all season long. Yeah, it was a walk-in. Legitimate. I mean, it was it was amazing. They haven't run anything like that in a few years, hell maybe longer. And it was so gorgeous to watch in those ugly, ridiculous uniforms. (laughs) And. You know, you remember last year they they kept talking about like two you know two backs, but it was like it was never like the stars were never lining up for who was healthy and who was going to be back there. Right. So maybe this year, maybe maybe that's something we see a little bit more. To, Chip Long seems to he seemed to have alluded to that in the few times that he that he's able to talk to the media. Do you feel that that could become a bigger part of Notre Dame's offense this year? I think so, and I, I don't
2: think Chip Long's – I think Chip Long is not afraid to, to, to experiment with those different things and give defenses different looks and make keep them on their toes, so I think you could see that. I think it's kind of tough. You don't want to take – you kind of have to figure out if you, who's you're going to take off the field. Are you going to take a, a tight end off the field, or are you going to take a slot receiver off the field? So you have to kind of pick your spots there, um, but if – like I mentioned, if maybe if they're comfortable with playing two receivers at times where maybe it's just Claypool and, and Fink or Claypool and Young – Um, And then you have two running backs in there and those guys, even Jafar can play in the slot if if he needs to. Uh, He's certainly a very good receiver. That's what he played in high school. So um, I think that it gives the offense a a lot of different more options, give the defense more to think about and and, uh, keep an eye on who's aligning where, because it could be guys that you're not expecting in certain places and that could be getting the ball at, uh, at times you wouldn't expect them to get the ball.
0: Tyler, you said or not you, but Julian Aquara said that his stated goal for sacks this year is eighteen and a half. <laughs> yeah. um, and as you mentioned as you mentioned in the article, not only would eighteen and a half be well over the most sacks in a season by an early player, but it actually would have led FBS last year for, for number of sacks because I think the, the top person had seventeen and a half. So I wanna have that number and put the over under at nine and a half sacks. Where are you taking Julian Aquara next year?
2: Uh, over nine and a half easy. That's right. an easy one. I don't. I don't know that he's going to get to eighteen and a half. I would probably. Think he'll worry. break Tuck's record think this year. He'll go to thirteen and a half. Yeah, Tuck's record. Yeah, I think that's probably that's probably where I would maybe. I, it seems kind of crazy to upset the over under at what the record is, but I think that seems more like a reason. I, I don't a Reasonable might not be the right word, but maybe somewhat realistic projection of of what he can do this season. They they are they are insistent on how many sacks he missed last year. If you would have just. Done one little thing different. He got his hands on a quarterback, but didn't bring him down. And you just gotta you gotta think that he's going to be better at doing that. Certainly, there's a more like there's more of a likelihood that teams are going to prevent him from getting in those situations. They're going to double him more, but by holding more, yeah, and holding more. But Notre Dame has <laughs> other options on the defensive line to create pressure. So
1: um, right.
2: I, I even think other guys creating pressure could help Julian Acquire too. Because if if uh, college creating pressure on the right side. Then Julian's on the left side the guy, the quarterback tries to come out that way and Julian gets an easy sack. So I think together they're all going to increase each other's sack numbers because there's going to be a um, more pressure. I'm curious to see how they split the playing time with Dalen Hayes and Julian Aquara. Julian didn't play consistently as like the full-time number one guy last year. He rotated a lot with Dalen Hayes. Um, so I think he'll have, I would imagine he has an, somewhat of an increased role in terms of playing time. Um, so, yeah, I think he's going to I wouldn't be surprised, I, I, although I, I guess I would probably predict even that he, he does break the, the single season sack record for Notre Dame. So,
1: I mean, I think uh, if he
2: gets
0: 18 and a half sacks, you got to think of him as a top 10 NFL draft pick. next. Top year.
2: five. Right. Yeah, that's uh, a Josh
0: Allen type, basically. Yeah, right? that,
2: that number is insane, especially guys put up crazy numbers sometimes at, at smaller schools or but, like louisiana tech right yeah yeah like last year <laughs> jalen ferguson is that his name i believe yeah jalen um, ferguson um and so ed oliver but, but, but julian uh, and i think jalen ferguson was like undersized because like, I, I don't think he got drafted very high people were kind of worried about his speed and stuff like that but julian aquare is when you look at it you're like oh man that is a nfl defensive end but then if he puts up those kinds of numbers you think well, what 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 do you have questions about then? If he's able to produce like that, he's gotta be a guy that would be highly coveted in the NFL draft. Yeah,
0: so my the, first my first recollection of Julian Aquara was jumping up in the quarterback's face against UNC, I think it was two thousand seventeen. And batting the ball to himself and like inter- intercepting the pass, I'm like, oh, this is this is a real dude right here.
2: <laughs> I think the first time I saw him in person up close, I was like standing behind him actually at a Chipotle, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, <laughs> knows. I was like, man, Julian, he's a big dude, man, and obviously he's filled out more <laughs> physically since when early on in his his, his career at Notre Dame. Um, and it is thicker and he's, he doesn't love getting asked about his weight all the time. As I mentioned this story, he, he, kind of, kind of laughs at it, how, how, he, almost anytime he's made available to the media, he gets asked about what his weight is and, and if he, if he feels strong enough and stuff like that. But, um, he, he's definitely continuing to, to grow and, um, he's, he's an impressive, impressive guy. He's, he's one of those guys you put,
1: put on at the front of the bus that walks out the bus first when, when you go to a, to a road venue. you know, one of the things that set. Set Twitter, I mean, one of the many things that sets Twitter up in arms was during just about every game, you could do screenshots of either Kareem or Hayes or Aquara getting absolutely, you know, just murdered, just held bigger than, you know, anything. Yeah. And, you know, and, no, and the no calls. I mean, just at the absolute no calls on it. And I thought it was funny. We, I was on there. I can't remember what, maybe it was after the Stanford game. I, I can't quite recall. But I had. I had kind of joined in in the mob there, uh, about it. And it was Khalid Kareem's dad. that uh, <laughs> jumped in and was like, no, nah, we're going to work on that. <laughs> He's like, that's his fault. <laughs> like how, how, how is him getting held? You know, I, I, I just kind of thought that was, I, well, let me get your thoughts on that. On, on one of my favorite things is, you know, they're not long conversations at all, but either on Twitter or in person, uh, after the game is, is talking to the parents for just a few minutes. And what what's what's your take on on some of Notre Dame's uh, you know the parents of, the, of these guys? Uh, do you have a favorite from the past or, or, or someone now? Or and you know Eric Hansen did that that great story about um, you know Dexter Williams. Uh, our photographer Michael Miller got some really great shots after after that Stanford game of of Dexter over there with with his mom. Do, do you have any favorites or kind of you know funny things that uh, that you're willing to share? I'm trying to think at, that nothing really jumps to mind I
2: I enjoy getting to them certainly when I was covering recruiting you'd get to know them pretty early on in the recruiting process and some parents are very involved in their kids recruitment when it comes to media and stuff like that Um, and some kids some parents are certainly out of the picture and let the kids take care of everything they're not as concerned about that but I really enjoyed getting to know some 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 parents. I I liked uh, Ade Adamalola, his, his, his the the father of Jason yeah. and Justin. <laughs> he just he's, jumped in the fray last week. This week he's right? a good guy. He's not he's not afraid to let his opinion be no, heard. And he, he is he's yeah. very he,
1: solid. He, is his
2: opinion. he was he was always asking to uh, <laughs> for feedback on how if we're at a, a spring practice, how how are his kids looking and stuff like that. And um, I obviously last year for our magazine, I did a story on Jamie on Franklin and his dad James, who was battling cancer. Um, and that was really neat to to get to talk to him about that. Um, he was he was a little shy about being like the focus of the story, but um, he he was able to, to to send me some. We exchanged some text messages back and forth for that, and um, he's certainly very proud of Jamieon, and, and certainly um, their their connection is is really um, really unique and and special. Um, I, I liked um, trying to think of some other parents that I've gotten along with, with well. I, the Mustafers were. were um, great to me. I, I did a pretty big story on Sam um around his around senior day, I believe, um, and got to talk to them for a bit. And I actually ended up they were from the Baltimore area, and they were taking a train up to the game in New York. Um, and my flight into Newark was ended up getting canceled, so I had to fly to Baltimore and take the train up. To Newark, so we were actually waiting in the same train station to go there. So you, you kind of run into some parents on on the road. I ran into Justin Hughes' dad a couple times, uh, uh, waiting for connecting flights uh, throughout throughout the years. <laughs> There's um, another guy with strong opinions.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so it's 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 kind of funny, and and some parents want to. They don't want to be noticed. They don't want you to even know who they are. And, and some parents are, like to come up and talk to you and kind of pick your ear too. So it's it's kind of fun to to get to know them and kind of watch them uh, and, and see how they kind of view things through their eyes. Cause obviously it's a lot more stressful for them than it is, is for us reporters. We it, it, Whatever happens, isn't going to impact our lives in, in great ways, but it certainly can for them.
1: Now you spoke about the, you know, meeting these people on the, on traveling, you know, like kind of a weight. And then about last year about, uh, you know, your own kind of fatigue after, after the season, And that, that sure. was a lot that we wrote about last year, you know, leading into it was like, dear Lord, you know, there's a lot of travel and, my personal opinion is that USC game was like, was kind of the result of all that travel leading up. I mean, if you ask, that's just a lot to ask, you know, ask these guys to do throughout the, throughout the year. And that last trip out to LA, you, you can tell why they were, you know, looked, they were looked sluggish this year's schedule though, not nearly as much travel. Um, but you know, it's, it's got its own pitfalls here and there, obviously traveling to Athens, I, I guess traveling to Ann Arbor uh, maybe uh, you know, presents kind of an issue what where Where are the pitfalls in the schedule? and I, I'm not really asking for the trap game um, per se, but w- when you look at the schedule from from start to finish, where are those games that uh, that that aren't necessarily traps, but you, you we're gonna we're gonna see some struggle,
2: yeah, I think uh, obviously playing Virginia Tech the week after the Michigan game, I think yes. that's certainly not going to be an easy one. That was um, the
1: one I was hoping you'd say right away. I,
2: I think I always think senior day is always a tough situation just because there's lots of emotions going on, and um, so Boston College isn't, isn't going to roll over or anything like that. I think that's a a, a team that will will like to give uh, Notre Dame a challenge, and certainly A.J. Dillon has some Notre Dame history uh, being the grandson of Tom Gatewood, and uh, Notre Dame – essentially kind of passed on him at, at running back. Um, if Thank my God Tom ser-
1: Hammond isn't on the call because that's the only <laughs> thing you'd hear the whole game.
2: <laughs> and then certainly playing against Virginia the week after Georgia is not going to be easy either. I think Virginia has some very talented players. Um, uh, and so I think they're they're an improving program. And getting a win in Notre Dame would certainly be a, a big moment in Virginia football. So um, I think all those games are probably the ones that I would be – Maybe the most concerned about is games that you't necessarily look at as, okay, uh, those are marquee games, but those are going to be tough games, and um, they're in tough sort of situations for Notre Dame to, to rebound from
1: the previous week and or
2: what's going on that week.
1: And you, so and you're, you're on record now that uh, you think Notre Dames going to struggle up in Ann Arbor.
2: Uh yeah, I so yeah, but like you mentioned, I, since I did the prediction or since I did the opponent previews, we have to do a, I had to do a score prediction for every game there. Um we obviously we always do our everyone all of us give a season prediction, so I wouldn't 10 and two. And if I didn't do these or I didn't tell you that I did these opponent previews, you wouldn't know that I thought the second
1: loss was gonna be <laughs> <laughs> Michigan. But uh yeah,
2: well, ex- I just,
1: can you explain to me it this is this is been you know kind of one of the lead topics uh for the online Dame community sure can you explain to me what the hell with michigan like i mean i uh, phil steals rankings aside because phil does kind of a projection thing rather than like where they're at going into the season mm-hmm. and he has michigan at number three so obviously hasn't going to the playoffs which just seems silly to me but can you explain like how much love they're getting after losing so much? they're not really gaining anything on their I mean I I understand a new offensive co- coordinator in Josh Gaddis, but they lost so much off of their biggest strength. So how how are people so comfortable in saying, "Oh yeah, that's a top that's definitely a top 10 team or or in some cases a top 5 team."
2: Yeah, to to me I think first with the Phil still thing with him at 3, I actually put Michigan as one of my playoff teams in our prediction section because oh, we, wow. we had so I, <laughs> to me, it's, it's there's three that are in. It's Georgia, Clemson, and Alabama, and I don't I don't love the Pac-12 team. Um, I don't necessarily think that Oklahoma's gonna be as good. Um, and then Ohio State. To me, it's like yeah, it's, it just seems like is Ohio is it is Ohio State's reign over now that Urban Meyer's gone. And so I kind of took a flyer on Michigan there. Um, certainly, I, I don't think it's like necessarily probable. I, I think they're, they're the they're the least likely of those teams by far. Um, their schedule sets up nicely, and I think. So I think, from my understanding, Phil Steele's predictions are based of how they'll finish, not necessarily how he ranks them going into the season. So, um, and that's obviously what I'm doing with the playoff pro- projection. The, the schedule just kind of sets up nicely for them with playing playing some of their toughest opponents at home. Um, and I, I think certainly the big house isn't the toughest place in America to play, but I think Notre- Michigan traditionally plays well there. Notre Dame doesn't always play very well there. Um, and, and sometimes trends like that, historical trends are, are kind of silly and, and don't have much credence, but I just think that Michigan is going to continue to improve. Um, and I think there's a chance that they're very good. And I think, um, their defensive coordinator, Don Brown is going to make a good defense, even though they lost a lot of talent and there probably isn't as much talent on that team. I think they're still going to be a good defense. Um, I am interested to see what the offense looks like at, feel like they were kind of a confused mess last year, didn't really know what they were going to be. Jim Harbaugh is going hands-off. That's worked for Brian Kelly when it comes to Notre Dame's offense. So um, is Josh Gaddis uh, Michigan's Chip Long? We'll we'll see. Um, So I'm I'm interested to see how that plays out. Certainly it could fail spectacularly, and I wouldn't be terribly surprised. But I think um, when you're looking at – um, just trying to figure out where, okay, where does Notre Dame's losses come? I, I felt more confident in put pinning a loss against Michigan on the road than, than even some of those games that I mentioned previously of, of, tough situations where Notre Dame's playing at home against some teams that may be better than team than you would kind of associate those teams with normally. Yeah. I mean, you're, I'm you're sorry. I didn't
1: hear anything you said because I just slammed <laughs> like three tall boys. Perhaps right <laughs> now. <laughs> what are you doing? to me, Tyler? Hey, now, you asked the question,
2: not
0: me. <laughs> you, talk about, you talk about trends and there's actually a lot of trends uh, coming into that Michigan game. I mean, you mentioned one of them, um, Brian Kelly's record against uh, top 25 teams on the road is atrocious, but Brian Kelly's record coming off of buys is, is excellent. And mm-hmm. I think those two things are, are, are in play. I also think that playing at, I think it's at Penn state the week prior to Notre Dame, right?
1: Yeah,
2: I think that's right.
0: Yeah. I mean, they definitely played Penn state. I don't recall if it was home or away. Well, Notre Dame is on a buy has to be considered advantageous to Notre Dame. I I'm with you. I, I, I fear the Michigan game just cause I don't, I I think Michigan is the person, the the fan base that I like the
2: least. Oh, yeah, uh, that's clear. I think everyone knows that most 3rd fans feel that way.
0: Yeah, but I actually, I actually thought we were going to be um, worried more. I, I thought if you know, at the beginning of 2018, I thought going into 2019, we'd be worried more about Amon Ross, St. Brown, and USC, and you know, touchdowns from uh, from JT Daniels and stuff like that. And and they seem. They seem much more of a mess, which I just it boggles my mind that the
1: USC isn't being talked about. We haven't um, talked about USC, and I can't tell you how I mean how many. You know, we do one or two podcasts a week, and even writing and all that. USC just has not been mentioned, and it, and up till tonight we're fifty three, almost fifty four minutes in, and this the that's the first mention of USC <laughs> by any party here. Yeah. What I mean, how insane is that?
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. I, I I predicted Notre Dame to win by seven. Certainly, obviously, these score predictions are are me picking numbers out of a hat mostly. But uh, I I think is gonna be able to put up points. I'm not really sure about their defense. I think their offense will get better. Um, and I think Amon Ross St. Brown is is a is a great talent. I think JT Daniels will play better than he did last season. But yeah, I don't I don't know what's gonna happen to their season. Certainly, I expect them to to play up well like they did against Notre Dame last season. Um, I just think that Notre Dame should be able to beat them in terms of scoring more points. But I, I think that, uh, it's going to be fun to watch what happens out there for them, because I think it, it could certainly go, go wrong pretty quick. Cause they have a very, pretty tough opening to the schedule with, uh, Utah, Washington and Notre Dame among their first six games of the season. Wow. wow.
1: All right, guys, we're getting close to wrapping this up, but, but before, before we do that, Tyler, you're, you're going to have to defend the honor. Of the South Bend Tribune. Oh boy, <laughs> in in a, in a kind of a strange way, I'm gonna need your worst hot take on food. My I mean, worst, need, hot worst take. food hot take. Like, what would you
0: defend I, in weirdly in a weird way that like everyone would be like, "You're crazy, Tyler."
1: Oh boy, man, I gotta.
2: You got I mean, prep you got. It, is, there, is, there, right? is there a,
0: is there a restaurant that you love in South Bend that everyone thinks is trash or?
2: Oh well, uh, see, see. Uh, oh boy. Okay, <laughs> this isn't South Bend related, but I, I do not get the In and Out hype. I, I don't think it's bad. I'm not going to trash In and Out. Yeah. But, um, their burgers are fine. They're what is trash are their French fries. Those are a disgrace to the French fry name. Um, so, is it, Tyler, is it just people haven't
0: tried Five Guys? I just I keep wondering like why everyone thinks In and Out. Five so Guys
1: got to take out a loan. Yeah, yeah. In in and outs kind of cool. I think everyone likes the old eighty bucks.
2: It's kind of like the old diner feel. In and out is very cool, kind of aesthetic, and um, I think it's just kind of the hip thing. The the burger, the burger is good. It's not like it's not bad. I wouldn't say that, but it's not like oh my gosh, I have to get in and out the minute I land in California. I don't, I don't know that I feel that way, and I know Carter feels that way about uh, Whataburger, though he would say Whataburger for some weird reason, Um, (laughs) but I. I, I think Whataburger is fine, but it, to me, I always make fun of him because he's always like, "Well, you got to try this," and it, what what he recommends isn't a burger. And so I don't. I, what, what, <laughs> why are you telling me it's a better burger place if you're not recommending the burger to me? So, um, I, I think some of those chains are a little more. I, I, I think it's just a regional thing that people love when they're growing up and and get attached to. Um, I don't really know that. I mean, do you feel do you feel strongly about Steak and Shake? oh uh, no steak and Dude, Shake's Frisco fine. is amazing it's fine yeah yeah that's the frisco melt would be what i would go with but i don't eat there often that, that was usually a late night kind of college food thing but um i i don't feel as strongly i know uh, a former member of the beat nick ironside was a very big steak and shake fan um he would he would eat there frequently and he was from the area so he he thought it was he thought it was uh, an amazing thing but so what is your,
0: uh-huh. I, I just got out of work at 1030 and I haven't put anything, I haven't eaten anything in the last seven hours, sort of like stop.
2: Where are you well, going? Well, lately it's Portillo's. Um, okay. We have been blessed with the Portillo's here. of uh, as of a year plus i think it was last spring <laughs> I can't um, and it's not it's, getting one. it's not far from where i live either so that is even worse so it's, it's very convenient <laughs> it's very convenient to head over to portillo's to get to get food late at night and they're open r- relatively late com- uh, compared to a lot of places um i think they're maybe open to like midnight which you don't necessarily always get for for some 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 quality food like that so um i like portillo's um, There's a lots of different local restaurants. It's funny. I know Carter was ripping on the barbecue. He doesn't think we have good barbecue here, which I, I'm not going to give him too much grief against that. I think we don't have great barbecue. But he went to Frankie's, which is probably the in-town place that I would recommend for barbecue. And he got something. I don't even remember what he got. but I was like, why did you get that? That's not what they're known for. you got to get the rib tips. That's what you get at Frankie's. And. And he's like, I don't know, that's what we get at places in Texas. I was like, well, this isn't Texas. you gotta get, you got to get what they do best. It's like, come just, on. You can't just go in there blind. And so he's he's got some learning to do. Uh, the best barbecue in the area is Greenbush up in Sawyer, Michigan, which is a little bit of a hike, 30, 40 minutes, but um, it has excellent barbecue. I, so I don't know that we've taken him up there yet. I think every time I've gone up there, he hasn't been able to come with me, but I'll have to take him up there to see what he thinks about that.
1: I've got what one of my, what of my takes that I've been I've been like cultivating and, and kind of analyzing and putting out there and I've been getting a lot of trash for it, is that I've said that Culver's is basically upscale White Castle. Think about it. What? Think about it. <laughs> I like both of those restaurants and I don't but, get it. Okay, okay. Look, first, the colors. It is the same blue <laughs> on white. All right. So Come just, on. We're talking about the food here, Josh. Come on. You know, you got, <laughs> listen, you got three inch bulletproof glass at White Castle. You have table service at Culver's. You have tiny burgers steamed at White Castle. You have these giant butter burgers at Culver's. But the fries are the same. The menu is vast, just like at White Castle, with who has the best chicken rings in the business, tater tots, mini corn dogs. I mean, it's fantastic, and you have the best. I mean, White Castle probably has the best Coke around. I mean, there's no <laughs> other Coke machine to produce that quality of taste like a White Castle. See, see I, like, I, I love root beer. Culver's just great is root beer. just a beer. step up from White Castle in, in, you know, in kind of a style sense. Yeah. Are you buying it? I'm, I mean, i when the only when one you called, out there Col- right now. I'm on the front lines pushing this. When
2: Are you, you buying it? When you said Culver's is a step up in every way, I bought more of that. than I don't remember what your first initial, the way you phrased it was. I, I said didn't it's know. basically an upscale white
1: upscale Castle. White Castle. Yeah,
2: to, yeah. To me, uh-huh. to, to me, that means they're save, they're serving mostly the same stuff but fancier. But I, I don't know that I would totally buy it just because. I mean, you're talking about sliders versus burgers and. Also, I don't know if you've had the chicken tenders at Culver's. I would take those over the chicken rings at White Castle. But. Oh, my God.
1: Looking up Carter Carl's Skype number. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, well, hey,
2: I, got, I got one more
1: food-related question. I'll love oh, it. go ahead. Go
0: ahead. Uh, you did a profile about uh, Mike Elston in uh, the the Insider magazine. I just wondered if you have had Beth Elston's cookies, and are they actually good?
2: I have not had them yet. and Nobody's
1: uh, had them. Carter I, didn't have them either.
2: I think uh, – maybe we need to exchange some cookies for a few copies of the magazine or something. Maybe we we'll see if we can work something out there. They look, they we we got to get our ass. hands on some of cookie, uh, some of those cookies. I mean, we've been talking about Beth
0: Allison's cookies for quite a while now. It's, 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 it's it, we can't <laughs> She's distra- probably I,
1: to tell you you're going to have, you're going to have to get out there and get a sack. Like, I can't trust the,
0: pl- I can't trust the players. The players are going to say that they're good. What else are they going <laughs> to say? Right. Yeah. Say, These are shit cookies. You
1: know? Yeah. I, Julian seemed
2: pretty into them and, I, it was kind of funny because I was we were talking about him, his sack goal with 18 and a half. I said, and we were talking about his weight a little bit. And I said, well, you don't have to worry about adding weight if you get 18 and a half sacks. That's a lot of cookies. So, so uh, well, he, he, when
1: you're he, at college, you will eat anything that's delivered right. yeah, to you. Yeah, and it's the best. Like, oh, my God, you brought me food. You are the <laughs> fifth. You are the greatest. All right. Well, hey, we're going to close this out. Jude, you, you got uh, you got anything to take us out with at all?
0: Uh, no, I have, I have nothing except just a reiteration that, uh, ND insider, not only the magazine, but the annual subscription, I believe I paid, um, I, I, less than $99 this year. I think I got a, I think I got a, some sort of discount. It, it's what, whatever I paid for it, it's worth the money. Um, I love reading, uh, the, the stuff that's behind the paywall. I think it's worth it. Uh, Tyler does some stuff in season that the data nerd in me like really loves, where he talks about pressures and, uh, like offensive line kind of goes beyond the box score. Um, I I can't say enough good things. If you're just thinking about where to put your money, um, and you have a limited funds to, to put towards, you know, uh, recruiting analysis and, and, uh, kind of beyond the box score stuff and some sort of human interest stuff, I would put it towards, uh, insider. I'm a big fan I've been a subscriber for I think three years now and, and I, I don't foresee uh, ending that anytime soon. So that's my big plug for, for those guys and the work that they do.
1: Absolutely. Hey, this is, this is the local newspaper support your local newspapers. These are the guys that are, that are doing all the work. I just, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough for, for what these guys have to, these guys do day in and day out during the season. Like Tyler, look, Tyler's going to take like the entire month off of July Just to prep for for the season. So (laughs) so get on that. One thing I have for you, like, man, I I can't get this out of my head. So maybe football season isn't, maybe football isn't all that important, you guys. Maybe it's not the biggest thing in the world because you know what just happened? A 41,000-year-old nematode, which is a half-millimeter long worm, wiggled. They brought that thing out of the cold, out of the out of the Arctic soil, and they brought it back to like forty one thousand years old. It was in the National Post just the other day. I can't think about anything else but the is thing it, was. Is that is it, is, is it parallel
2: for Notre Dame reigniting its historic past, or what, what the, are we, the Notre what Dame we
1: doing fi- here? Notre Dame fighting nematodes. <laughs> <laughs> it could it can be is, a thing. Is Newt Rockney next? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, someone break Frank up, would you? So i i I had to put that out there somewhere. i i I couldn't get it out of my head. My kids are looking at me like I'm crazy. Uh, I I got them scared about about zombies now because uh, we went really deep into the nematode thing and the and how old it is. But uh, but yeah, Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the show. Everybody, go out there and and uh, get that magazine. We're going to have links up on, like I said, on the uh, podcast notes and up on the site. We've already did a story on it. Um, I'm always impressed with it. It's it, from top to bottom. It's the best thing that's out there. It's way more in-depth you're going to get with any national magazine, and it's the best one that anyone that covers Notre Dame does. That's that's why I don't do... I, I don't even try to touch it. Uh, you know, so check that out. Uh, Tyler, do you got anything to say before you leave?
2: No, I don't know that I can say anything better than what, all the praise you guys heaped on us, so I appreciate, appreciate the kind words, and we certainly appreciate your guys' support and uh, we we are glad that uh, you guys value that. And certainly, um, the, the readers are the reason we put all this time and effort into this because we know people have the appetites for it, um, and so we want to make sure that they they can get that. So we, we appreciate all the support, and whether it's buying a magazine or buying a monthly or annual subscription to the Insider, we um, we're we're definitely grateful for everyone that is willing to spend their time and money reading and and uh, consuming what we have to put out
1: there. All right. And I, again, thank you so much. And I am to to repay my thanks for you guys' hard work. I'm going to teach you how to roll out a burrito. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're, we're, going to get you there. there. So thanks again, you guys. And uh, and we'll have more on one foot down uh, all week long. So check it out. Go Irish.